Let's pray. Heavenly Father, teach us to hear your voice. Amen. So I was getting the Lenten worship folders ready to print because it's only a few weeks away. And while I was reading through them to proof them, I had to both stop to grieve and to celebrate. I want you to take a big, deep breath. Hold it. Now let it out slowly. Two years ago, I couldn't do that, at least not without violating a dozen COVID rules and causing everyone to wonder if they needed to go home and take a rapid test. We weren't allowed to sing. We had to wear masks. If someone coughed, we rapidly moved away. One year ago, we were able to sing a song, technically still violating the COVID rules, but pretty much everybody was okay with it. Now, we've always spoken the liturgy during Lent. It's a willing sacrifice of the alleluias and all those joyful hymns exchanged for dissonant notes flying around the sanctuary and bringing us down a little bit. It's an intentional somberness. We give up the alleluias and happy hymns, so when Lent is over and we leave the tomb and walking out, we see the sun rising, we hear God's amazing voice, and um, we respond by shouting from the depths of our soul, He is risen indeed, when the pastor says He's risen. COVID was an unwanted two-year Lenten journey force on us, unlike our liturgical Lent, where 40 days and five Sundays later, we're done with it, and uh, the alleluias and the joyful hymns and the sung liturgy have all returned, at least until the next Lent. The scars and nightmares of COVID continue to pop up, uh, lingering reminders, uh, a mask uh, hanging from a bush, a sign a little bit faded that says, you have to be six feet apart. Yeah, and a media that carefully notes the number of COVID cases and deaths each week, while seemingly being uncaring about those who are dying of cancer or heart disease or old age. You know, pastors have a strange privilege. We wander with people through their life, doing our best to connect their minutes and days and hours with their Savior. We remind them they're sinners, but we also get to joyfully proclaim that they are forgiven by God's amazing grace. We stand beside them when mortality and death rears their ugly heads. Sometimes we even walk with them all the way to the gates of heaven so they don't have to be alone. You know, the job of a pastor isn't easy, but it's also not hard. Because a pastor is nothing more than a navigator. Navigators actually have a simple job. Oh, I'm not saying that there's not a lot of math and other things involved in it, but it's a simple job. They know where they are at, they know where they are going, and they, well, they plan the best route between the two points. They take into account weather, headwinds, tall mountains, available fuel, and anything else the pilot might need to know about. They call out the heading to the pilot, but they actually have no direct control over which route the pilot is actually going to take. Uh, navigators can only sit there. They're, they're just along for the ride. Now, they might continue to say, you know, Captain, I, 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 you know, but they're just navigators. In the past months, a number of things have broken my heart. Oh, my heart is still beating, but it is definitely very broken. When marriages dissolve, when friends die, when people get sick, when children have their childhood stolen from them, if you have a heart, it has to break. I was reading St. Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, and I got to the fifth chapter where he says, you know what? No one hates his own body but cares and provides for it. Now, I hope all of you know that I do believe that the Bible is the inspired and errant word of God, but I also know here Paul is wrong. I met people who hate their own body. 
influenced by social media and the spiteful ramblings of those who control others by tearing them down. These people have no idea that they are unique and unreproducible miracles of God. The world is so loud they can't hear the voice of God telling them just how precious they are. And my heart breaks for them. There are others who simply choose not to hear God's voice. A person in their last days gathered others around and said, do you remember when I did this for you? And do you remember when I did that for you? And by the way, it wasn't nostalgia. He was demanding that they tell him just how important he was in their life. How they weren't going to be able to live without him. Then there were those whose names I will intentionally forget. People so filled with hate and anxiety and pain that they took the lives of others just because they could. And the pain and the suffering rippled out like a giant boulder crashing into a lake. This led me to another verse from Paul's letter to the church at Rome. It's the second chapter this time where he says, showing they have the law of God written on their hearts. And I stopped right there and I said, Paul, how can you say that? I mean, knowing what they know, seeing what they have done, how can you say that the law is written on their hearts? Because obviously it's not. And Paul says, Mitch, if you'll let me finish, I'll tell you. And so Paul continues. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. Their consciences confirm this. Their competing thoughts will either accuse them or excuse them on the day when God judges what people have kept secret. What do you think the world's agenda is? What's it trying to accomplish? What, what would make the world happy? I see and hear politicians, activists, singers, and actors demanding change, but there is no consensus, no achievable, definable end where everyone would get to live happily ever after. By the way, history shows humanity has actually achieved what, well, that which in the 1960s and 70s science and politics said would bring enlightenment, peace, and freedom to everyone. And yet we're just as torn apart and fractured today as we were back when they set those goals. Collectively, we are both in culture and we are culture. We're all part of something bigger than ourselves. And by the way, we cannot claim that we have no control over everything that's happening. See, Jesus points out in the gospel that the law remains the law. He didn't come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. And more importantly, to forgive us when we can't fulfill it. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't negate the law or cancel it. The law is still there, as ugly and terrible as it always has been. But it no longer has power over you. Because you can hear the voice of God proclaiming mercy and grace. So when you were in your last days, what will you think about? What will you dream about? What, what is it that you will miss the most? What, what would bring you comfort? And what would cause you pain? Ever had flashes of your life, moments where you did the wrong thing, failures that were just extremely painful? These are the moments that you want to forget. These are the moments you want everyone to forget. And yet there they are, running across your brain like that song that you just can't get out of your head. There is no off switch, no delete button. We not only have to relive the moment, but we actually have to deal with all of those feelings again. Maybe I'm the only one that has them, but you know what? If any of you suffer through them... You know that they are so real, it's just like being there. In fact, for a time, we actually are there. I wish I could choose what moments flash before me. I mean, there are moments of fleeting glory where I would love to relive it in slow motion, reveling in the feeling of accomplishment. 
there are moments of tenderness and joy, like the birth of my children, that I would love to go back and experience again, and only this time pay a lot more attention. There are also moments I would like to edit, just slightly, so I could say the right thing, listen more, take a deep breath, and become the non-anxious presence in the room. But those moments are seemingly gone. Never have they come barreling through my brain, accompanied by the feelings of joy and peace and fulfillment. No, they, they remain disturbingly just beyond my reach. Do you know what most people miss the most in their last days? Certain tastes and smells. Uh, the ability to use their hands and their feet without worrying about dropping something or falling. The ability to say something or remember something without doubting themselves. And almost everyone that I have stood by in their last days, they wish that they had known how precious and important all the moments that they rushed through were. I mean, they were so busy trying to get to what they thought was so important. The navigator called out the proper heading, but they knew better, so they chose to listen to their own voice. And now they wish, you know, well, you understand. Sophocles said, I have no desire to suffer twice, in reality and then in retrospect, if that were only possible. But to be honest, that really is the power of the law. When was the last wedding you attended? I bring it up most because, you know, at weddings, 1 Corinthians 13 gets read. You know, um, they know the last part. These three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And everybody goes, ah. But, you know, there's actually a few more verses before that. And the one where Paul says, if I speak human or angelic languages but do not have love, I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, I'm going to take some liberty with Paul's words, and I think that you will forgive me and understand. But first, let me set the stage with a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The most experienced psychologist or observer of human nature knows infinitely less of the human heart than the simplest Christian who lives beneath the cross of Jesus. The greatest psychological insight, ability, and experience cannot grasp this one thing what sin is. Worldly wisdom knows what distress and weakness and failure are, but it does not know the godlessness of man. And so it also does not know that man is destroyed only by his sin and can be healed only by forgiveness. Whether we are in our last days remembering or suffering through one of those painful memory flashes running through our brain or standing at a gaping hole in our life of our own making, if we do not have the love of God in our hearts, any attempt by someone to speak words of comfort, grace, mercy, or forgiveness are just going to be a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And if we entrust the stories of our pain and failure or a past that haunts us to someone who only knows the world's wisdom but nothing of God's love, any words they speak will come across as the sound of gongs or clanging cymbals because they don't have the power to heal us. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he didn't hesitate. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus teaches us that sin is simply the absence of love. Yes, sin is simply the absence of love. And while that may be too much of a simplification, I think you understand. To love is to be willing to sacrifice of yourself for another. To give, even if you don't want to, even if it is painful because you know it's the right thing to do. When the world, and by the way, sometimes us, demand that the law be abolished and forgotten, it is not because we have learned to love the Lord our God with even some of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, let alone all of it. 
and we certainly haven't learned to love our neighbor as ourselves. No, because if that were the case, then we would no longer need the law because we would be practically perfect in every way. We also wouldn't need Jesus. No, if we wish to abolish the law, it is because we don't want to be reminded that we are always failing at loving God, failing at loving one another, failing at loving ourselves. That's the other side of gongs and clanging cymbals. We bang things and clang things so that we can't hear God's voice. We see his lips moving and we assume he's yelling at us because we know what we've done. So we bang the gongs and clang the cymbals while yelling, I can't hear you. But you know, God's a loving God. And if he's telling us of our sin, if he is pointing out our failures, it, it is to save us not condemn us. One, one of my absolute favorite verses comes from 2 Peter. Dear friends, don't let this one thing escape you. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord does not delay his promise, but is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Yeah, God loves you. Last week I noted God's wrath is not poured out on sinners unless they have wrapped themselves so tightly in their sin that you can't tell where the sin ends and the sinner begins. See, our life is a search for a self that matters, work we enjoy and work that makes a difference. We strive to become human in a world that seduces us into inhumanity. We search for someone to love and to be loved and in a world that makes it hard to believe in anything. We look for someone, something holy and beautiful that will give meaning and purpose to the life we live and a promise of what's next when this life is over. When God speaks in this world, he speaks to and through his people. He does not shout or yell. Oh, he can, but, but normally he doesn't. No, he speaks in such a way that even if we are remotely listening for his voice, we can hear him. And so when someone we love dies, or there's an act of human cruelty that races across the headlines, or we fail a friend, or we lose ourselves in things that rip our soul apart. Or, and this is more often the case, we just live one day after another without thinking, without listening, without caring. We sleep, we wake, we work, we remember and forget. We have to remember that there is a truth beyond all of that which we must know. That in the thick and thin of it, God speaks. And he continues to speak. God is never silent. For we are his people. And he will not stop loving us or calling after us. Because the word God speaks is an incarnate word. A word made of flesh and blood and bone and, and breath. A word that calls the dead back to life. Speaks healing to the afflicted. Loves the unlovable. Forgives the sinner. Gives hope to the hopeless. We may struggle to hear it. I mean, we are so used to hearing what we want to hear, what we expect to hear, that we can become deaf to what we need to hear. But still God speaks. And if we are listening at all, yearning and searching for his voice, we may find ourselves praying even the most simplest of prayers, the one that both begins and ends with, God, I need you. And God promises to answer us no matter who we are. And if it has been a while since we've heard his voice or tasted the wine or the bread or sang to him or, or stood in the midst of the community of faith, it will be even sweeter and more satisfying and empowering because the absence creates a deeper hunger, a longing that reaches to our very soul. More words from St. Paul. We have not received the spirit of the world but the Spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. So what did God give us? If you remember nothing else, 
from this sermon. These are the words I want you to hold on to and cling to. You are loved. You are forgiven. You have purpose and meaning to your life. You are unique and unreproducible. You are never alone. And you matter. You really matter. The God who is powerful enough to create a universe with just a few words thought you were so important that he was willing to save you at a terrible cost to himself. And I'm not going to argue with God. That tells me how important you are in his sight and reminds me how important you need to be to me as well. My greatest prayer is for you to know those things as well. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Would you share your faith with me in the words of the Nicene Creed? I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.